0: Welcome to our podcast, What I Didn't Learn at Harvard. We're super connectors who will be talking about how to network smartly in a post pandemic world. I'm your host and moderator, Rajiv Jadav. I'm a reputation management strategist and social impact activist. My co host is Victor Lee. He's our Harvard alum, and he will be guiding us through all the things he's learned about networking since he graduated. In the episodes that follow, you'll be hearing from experts who do networking well. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Things I Didn't Learn at Harvard. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Jeffrey Kent. Jeffrey Kent, who is Jeffrey Kent? Well, Jeffrey Kent is the founder and CEO of Think Big with Jeffrey Kent, and he is a serial entrepreneur having launched 20 plus entrepreneurial ventures over the last five decades. Yes, you heard me right. Twenty plus entrepreneurial ventures over the last five five decades, who took his last tech venture, Cogniz IT, from launch to successful exit in six years, uh, a decade ago. In addition to an MBA in entrepreneurial management from Water School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania, Jeffrey has been an executive at Xerox Corporation, at and the Irving Group, a holding company owned by the NBA Hall of Famer, Julius Dr. J. Irving, and Deloitte Consulting. Has taught entrepreneurship at Lincoln University, has judged Drexel University's annual business plan competition, and has served on several corporate boards of directorships. Wow, that's a lot to unpack. Jeffrey, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me, and happy holidays.
0: (laughs) For sure, for sure. (laughs) So I guess Jeffrey you know from all of these things that you've done which was the most interesting and why
1: They're all interesting uh, you know um you know if if, if you're an entrepreneur uh, anything you do entrepreneurially is uh is exciting. So I, I don't think anyone is more exciting than, than the other. I, I, you know, but if I have to answer that question, I would just say, you know, whatever I'm doing currently is, is, is the thing I'm most excited about. So, so currently I'm, I'm, uh, I'm really kind of mentoring entrepreneurs at this stage of my career, uh, trying to give back, uh, uh, to improve the world for for my two daughters and their generation. and and so encouraging as many people to you know take up this this uh, crazy mantle of entrepreneurship as possible um, and and using my knowledge and my experience and wisdom to to hopefully um, you know help make the path easier for the next generation of uh, of entrepreneurs.
0: Got it. So Jeffrey, like given that you have successfully exited in one of your startups, is the goal to help people exit also? or is yes. that like uh,
1: okay. a secondary goal no 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 that that i i tell entrepreneurs all the time one of the first pieces of advice i give them is you know um uh you know entrepreneurship and running a business is the opposite of reading a book you know when you read a book you start from the beginning and you work your way to the end with a business you 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 need to understand what your exit is going to be and then reverse engineer your way back to you know where you're starting um because you know at the end of the day if if, um, you know, and you can, you can, this applies to virtually anything. If you don't know what you're building, you're never going to build it. Right. Um, an architect doesn't, you know, you know, just go out to Home Depot or whatever and and get a bunch of supplies and then start building a home. And hope. hopefully they have a home built at the end of the process. No, they, they, they actually know what they're going to build in advance. They, they, you know, put together a blueprint and, you know, s- sketch it all out. And, and then they kind of reverse engineer. Okay. Well, how would we build this? You know, um, knowing to, what they I, yeah. I think that's a great perspective to start with the end and, and then
2: work backwards, which I think people generally don't apply to business, which yeah. I think is what Rajiv was sort of implying, right? People yeah. start a business because they like to cook or they're really good at, you know, a, a skill or something like that. So can you tell us maybe a little bit about how did that apply to your most recent business, your IT firm? Because as Rajiv mentioned, you know, you started and exited in six years, which is ridiculously fast.
0: Yeah, it's really yeah. fast.
2: Yeah, for any sort of business. So yeah. you know, tell us how, how your how your methods applied there, since it's a real-world example. Yeah, yeah,
1: well, so... The, oh, the and, and
0: also, Jeffrey, if you can, <laughs> I mean, if it's, you know, if, it, if you're comfortable with it, obviously, any kind of, like, numbers you want to add, I think would also help pique the interest of our listeners because, <laughs> as you know, people really remember numbers. So if yeah, you want to, yeah. I mean, again, you don't have to mention specifics, but if you could, that would yeah. be great. You know, as yeah. even if, especially if the exit was like six or seven figures or higher, that would, yeah. I think be very interesting for our listeners, but yeah. sorry yeah. to interrupt, please go ahead.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so I'll, I'll, you know, start off with, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, I signed a non-disclosure agreement when I sold the company. So, so I can't disclose what the company was sold for, but, um, what I can tell you is, um, uh, and just kind of the start to answer the, the original question was, um, the idea wasn't mine. So, um, you know uh, i i actually you know when i launched when i start i i started my first business when i was 12 years old in 8th grade um and so um you know what but my parents are from the great depression era and um and so you know, they, because of what they experienced as, as young people didn't take risks with their careers, didn't raise their children to take risks with their career. So I was basically raised to go work for someone and make someone else rich. So, you know, that's, that's why I'm overeducated, right? Because my parents were like, you know, education, education, education. Um, And then, you know, that education led me to a corporate career. Um, What I was struggling with when I was young was, I, I knew I was meant to be an entrepreneur, but my parents wanted me to work in corporate America, and so I wanted to please my parents, so I, I did what they asked me to do. But um, while I was working in corporate America, I was launching you know, one business after the other part-time. You know, and unfortunately, because I wasn't I wasn't focused on it, I was, you know, failing one business at a time, you know, and, um, you know, but I was learning along the way and, and failing, you know, less, less, uh, 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 you know, uh, grandly uh, uh, each time that, uh, you know, I, I launched a new venture. But with this with this tech venture, when when, when I turned 49 years old, I actually decided, you know, I, I'm not fighting this anymore. I'm leaving corporate America for good. I was at Deloitte. I, I left Deloitte and decided, you know, I'm pursuing entrepreneurship full time. So initially I launched a, um, I, you know, I thought it made sense to, since I was in management consulting, I might as well start a management consulting firm. I was doing what's called turnaround management consulting, helping helping companies in crisis get out of crisis while I was at Deloitte. So I said, well, I'll launch a crisis management, management consulting firm and just focus on customers that Deloitte won't target. So I'll go after small to mid-sized companies. Uh,
0: Jeff, and, so when you say crisis management, crisis obviously means many different things to many different people. So how would you define crisis as? Is it like when their stock price takes a nosedive? Is it when people get laid off? Is it because of a scandal? I mean, that's kind of like part of what I do on the reputational yeah, side, but how would you define crisis?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so you are either in bankruptcy or you're about to, file for bankruptcy is, is usually, but, but you, you, you basically you're, you're, you're losing money. Um, that's, that, that's probably the easiest way on an annual basis. You're, you're, you're spending way more than you're making. And, and, you know, that, you know, you, you are on a trajectory towards failure as a business, right? So, so like
0: you- most businesses kind of track that on a quarterly basis, right? So does that mean they've had like back-to-back bad set of quarters and the, you know the the trajectory is kind of going in one direction and doesn't seem to be moving any other way. Is that what you're kind of sort of alluding to?
1: Well, it depends on when that happens. So um, all businesses are going to lose money in the beginning, you know, because you have to build a customer base, you, you know, you have to learn how to, how to, you know, do what you do. Right. So, so in the beginning it's, it's, it's expected that you, you usually for the first probably two to three years, you're going to lose money. Right. What you should be seeing though, is, You should be losing less money every month, right. So you should see this trajectory that that's, it's heading up, you're, you're, you're not there yet, but you but you, you can see the end of the light at the end of the tunnel and say, Okay, well, you know, if we continue doing what we're doing, we're eventually going to hit break even where, where, you know, you know, our, our revenues are matching our expenses and, and you know, then we'll, we'll, we'll see that point where, you know, now revenues are going to exceed expenses and, 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 you know, we'll, we'll now be profitable as a business. So that, that's not, you know, you're not in crisis then that that's expected, you know, now if you've got an existing business, you've been in business for a while, Um, you know, you might have a scenario where, Hey, one, one quarter or one month we lose money, you know, again, that's going to be expected there. There's, you know, um. And, and you could have it actually for a sustained period if we have some kind of economic blip, like, you know, we go into a recession or, or you know, God forbid, we go into a depression, you know, um, you know, it's, it's going to be expected. You're going to lose money. Now, now there are things that you you can do to kind of prepare for that. But, you know, that that's going to be expected. But in the normal course of business, if the economy is going well, you know, you've been in business for a while, you should be making money every single month. Right. So when you see that not happening particularly for an extended period of time you know uh, uh, uh six months nine months 12 months two years you know there's a problem right and so i'm helping you know or i was helping companies that you know they were sustaining losses for a significant period of time and they saw that, they, that one they didn't know how to solve they didn't know how they got into the situation they were in didn't, and so jeffrey they didn't what What scale of companies are these typically? Well, when I was at Deloitte, I I was working with, you know, billion dollar businesses. You know, I, you know, Allegheny Health Education Research Foundation was one of one of the turnarounds. Sunbeam was one of the turnaround projects I worked on. That was a big name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that, you know, I mean, Deloitte's working with, you know, Fortune 500 companies because those are the companies that can pay their fees. You know, so, so, you know, that, that, that's who I was working with then when I left Deloitte and started working on my own, as I said, I, I focused on small to mid-sized companies. So, so, you know, less than a billion in annual revenues, right. Um, less than 10,000 employees. Um, And, and more, more than likely it was going to be, you know, companies that had between a hundred to a thousand employees um, probably 10, 10 to a hundred million dollars in annual revenues, right. That, that again, you know, were were losing money, but losing money for a sustained period of time, didn't really know how they got to that point. So didn't know how to get out of it. And so, you know, they would hire me usually as an interim CEO to come in, take over the company, understand what, what got them to where they were correct it, um, get them back on track and then move on to the next project. So so Jeffrey, for your entrepreneurial journey, was your thought that being
2: a, you know a crisis management consultant to smbs was that the, the the plan or was that like an interim thing until you found something else
1: yeah i well i mean at the time it was the plan right okay. right um um, because, you know, from, from my perspective, it was like, okay, well, I wanted to pursue entrepreneurship full-time. I wanted to get out of corporate America, and I had actually done that, and it just made sense that, you know, I'm, I'm coming from an environment where I'm a turnaround management consultant. Right, work, so you're using work, the work skills you already right. have. Yeah. I can I can start a company and do that just with smaller companies, and now I don't have to worry about competing with Deloitte, because they're not pursuing those those types of clients, um, And and I did that for about seven years, and wow. uh, it was actually the, 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 the IT business that I had came as a result of one of these turnarounds. Uh, I got hired to, um, to turn around a, an auto repossession company. And, uh, uh, and uh, I had, you know, in, in turning that company around, had to hire staff once I got to the point where, you know, now we're no longer losing money. We're starting to make money. Things are starting to now I'm reviving the company. I'm hiring staff. And I hired this young kid um, in in the sales department. And, you know, so I turned the company around, moved on. Um, I'm doing something else. And, you know, maybe a year and a half, two years later, I get a call from this young kid I had hired into a former client. And he said, Jeff, I, I, you know, I just had lunch with uh, my brother-in-law and uh, and we have an, we have a, a, an entrepreneurial idea for an IT firm, Um, but neither of us have, launched anything entrepreneurial before they were both in their early 20s and so you know he said you know we don't we really don't know where to where to start we've we've never done this before um you know we but we know you've done a lot of entrepreneurial things could we take you to dinner and just pick your brain for an hour and a half and so that dinner um led to me actually help you know joining their venture so you know part one of the questions i asked them during over the course of the dinner was do you have a business plan and and the response was what is that (laughs) you know and so like okay well they're really
2: starting from scratch yeah
1: yeah i really know where you know i I know how how much you need help and and so what where where it started was i actually because i just taken on a new client and i didn't have a lot of time but i wanted to really help them so i said well what i'll do is i'll help you write your business plan you know so uh, i said it's going to take a long time because i you know I just started a new 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 assignment i, I, I don't have a ton of time and, and it actually took us an entire year to write the business plan for a this year? company
2: why did it take i mean i know you were only doing part time but i mean i assume they had a lot of time so I guess I have two questions. Number one is why did it take so long? Cause you do see people like sort of, you know, banging out business plans in in a few weeks, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And secondly, can I ask you, what was it about them that made you want to do this? Was it them? Was it the idea? Was it, you know, you saw a big gap in the marketplace. I mean, how, how do, how do entrepreneurs find and latch onto great ideas?
1: Yeah. So, so for me, um, you know, as I said, we, we you know, one the process of of it taking a year. Normally a, a business plan is going to take you, you know, there there's probably a competent business plan is is a minimum of hundred to two hundred hours of work, right? right. So one
2: hundred it's, it's, 100 to two hundred hours of work. Okay. Yeah.
1: So so even if you're doing this full time, it's gonna take you one to two months, right? So, so um Uh, so for us it was you know we were pretty much working on this on the weekends that's when i had time that's when they really had time they both had jobs you know so so we were really working doing this on on weekends and that that's why it took as long as it took um but at the at the end of the process you know they both came back to me and they said you know look we're 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 in philadelphia pennsylvania this isn't a tech-centric city this isn't silicon valley you know um you know, on top of that, we're in our early twenties, no one's going to take us seriously. We need someone with gray hair to run the company. So they offered me the opportunity to become the CEO of the business and asked me if I would buy equity in the business. Um, and so for me, it was, I wanted to do it, but, um, You know, I wanted to make sure my wife was comfortable with me doing it because we had two very young daughters. And uh, and so I went to my wife and, you know, said, you know, what do you think? Uh, You know, I just got this got got asked this, uh, you know, opportunity. And and uh, and her advice to me was, again, a lot of times when I tell entrepreneurs, sometimes you need to talk to independent people who understand who you are. But, you know, don't have any any uh, any anything in the and, you know, nothing in the game. And, uh, so she, she's like, you, you absolutely hate corporate America. She said, uh, and every time I see you do anything entrepreneurial, I see a spark in your eye. I don't see wow. when you do anything else. She said, so if, if I were you, I would take them up on the opportunity. And, wow, that's
2: fabulous. you know, fabulous.
1: I, don't, I don't know whether she knew me well enough to know this, right. but I'm, I'm one of these people that you you don't want to give me any rope because I will try to hang myself. So <laughs> when, when you know, I, I, you know, if I had that conversation with her on a Friday, I went in Monday and resigned, you know, and right. uh, and I called them up and I said, I'm in, I want to buy 51% of the company. um, And, and we didn't look back, you know, okay. so
2: and was there something special? I mean, there's a lot of IT firms out there. What, what was yeah, it about yeah. like this one that was special for you?
1: No, there wasn't special. I think it, was, it just it just came to me at the right time. Right. Okay. It just came to you know, the opportunity came to me at the right time. So, so one of, you know, what I always tell entrepreneurs is successful entrepreneurs, you know, I mean, they, they leave, you know, lots of crumbs, you know, so you can understand why they were successful. So one of the things that successful entrepreneurs almost always do is they take the time to figure out what they're passionate about. And then they build businesses around their passions, right? Okay. And so for me, I I understood that I'm I don't really care about any particular industry. Uh, I'm not passionate about industries. Um, For me, I'm passionate about building businesses. I love to build businesses, right? So, um, so for me, I think that the opportunity to build a business from scratch, I think, was what appealed to me. Okay, Uh, because because often I think when you talk to entrepreneurs, people tend
2: to get hung up on the idea. Yeah, yeah. That it has to be a unique idea and a, you know, a world beating idea and so on and so forth. And what you're saying, it's really more in some ways about the
1: implementation of the idea. Yeah. yeah. How well you
2: execute against it.
1: Yeah. Well, I, well, I, I, again, another, another thing I I, I tell, you know, when I look at, um, you know, I mean, common knowledge through lots of studies within 10 years, 82% of businesses fail, right. Small businesses. Um, And so I'm, I'm, I look at the world, I like the paradigm shift. So, so when I look at, you know, those types of reports and those types of statistics, you know, the question I ask is why does any business need to fail? You know, there've been enough successful entrepreneurial ventures over time, you know, every one of the, of the founders of those companies have been vain enough to write about their experiences. So the blueprint for, for entrepreneurial success, uh, success exists and, and is readily uh, available you know, if you actually take the time to read the books. So so you're you're
2: saying any business should be, and I think this is critical, Rajiv, especially, you know, the companies we deal with, you're saying that any business, if they do the right things, can succeed. Absolutely. I I think it's
0: logical, right? Because, yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: I think this is something
0: that, uh, what's his name? Tony Robbins says a lot. It says success leaves clues. That's what he says a lot on his shows. So, uh, So I think what Jeffrey says is kind of like definitely... The consensus, as far as uh, you know, what should work, since there usually is a recipe for success, and if you do certain things, and, and yes, you're right, absolutely, Victor, it's all about the execution. Yeah, it's but you know, execution.
1: Yeah, and 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 so so let us take this a little bit further. So the the business plan is supposed to be the blueprint for success, correct? Right? And that that's everybody tells you before you launch your business, write a business plan. That, that way you're going to that, that, that that's going to be your your architectural blueprint right for, for the house you're building you know so in, in that business plan you' you're going to anticipate what are what are potential obstacles we're going to face how do we overcome those if they if they occur you know what are we trying to build? how are we going to build it? what type of people do we need? how much money do we need you know when do we need the money? when do we need the right this type of person that type of person all that's baked into the business plan. So now if you have the, the the blueprint for success, but you don't succeed, you know, is it, you know, so if you ask the entrepreneur, well, why didn't you succeed? Well, no one would give me money. Well, didn't you account for that in your business plan? Didn't you, in your business plan, didn't you say you would need X amount of dollars at this point in time? Um, and then that business plan also because the foundation of the assumptions you were making that helped you determine how much money you needed and when was very logical, right? So if you needed money at a specific point in time and went to the capital markets to try to get that money, you could defend your assumptions, you know? At, 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 and, and if you were in front of the right person to that, that invests in the type of deal you had, why wouldn't you get money, right? Right. Uh, uh, because if, if it was an issue of, well, I don't believe your assumptions, well, then you could just go back to that person and say, well, what, what would, what would you believe? You know, let me change my assumptions based on what you would believe and let's see how that impacts the financials and then lend me that, that amount of money. But if you didn't do that, you didn't, you, you didn't fail because you didn't get money. You failed because you didn't execute on your business plan. So failure is always a lack of execution. No other reason. Everything else wow. is a symptom, not the cause. The cause is lack of execution,
2: right? Okay. So then how how do you, what are the rules for execution? How can entrepreneurs make sure that they're executing properly?
1: So, you know, again, the, the blueprint's really simple. And, and I'll, I'll tell you. You know, the six things all successful entrepreneurs do, like I said, one is they take the time to figure out what they're passionate about. Then they build a business around their passion okay. Two, they um, they they uh, laser focus on serving a niche target market that they can dominate. So they understand that, you know, even though I have lots of bills to pay and I need money, you know, the worst thing I can do is try to be everything to everybody because I'm going to be nothing to anyone right? Yeah. So uh, I, I, all I need is one customer. Everything I need to learn to excel as a business, I can learn from one customer. If you can convince one person to buy from you, you know, what you need to do is sit down with that one person and say, hey, you know, why did you buy from me? Yeah. You know, how do you use my product or service? Okay. How does my product or service impact your business? Oh, and can you quantify that for me? You know, if you've referred anyone else to me, why did you do that? What did you tell them that convinced them to buy as well?
2: You know, oh, yeah. these
1: types of questions give you all the insight you need to get your second, third, fourth, fifth customer, right? Okay. And But we, we yeah. don't do that enough. We're, we're so focused on, oh, man, I got a sale. I got to get another one. You know, the easiest right. sale to make is a sale from the customer you already have, not from a new customer. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: In fact, you know, what Jeffrey's saying is like right on the money, because, you know, when, you know, I, I do like a lot of business consulting and I, in my, you know, consulting process, I always ask uh, customers this, I said, like, do you know why your customers buy from you? And they always give me that deer in the headlights, very dazed, glazed over look, wide-eyed bewilderment is the look that I usually see when I ask this question. And they almost look at me like I'm speaking Greek or some alien language, like I've never heard this concept before. It seems like a wildly new concept of actually speaking to a customer and asking a customer, like, why did you buy from me? Because I guess it, some people view that as being like getting into like a vulnerability or maybe even, uh, maybe maybe if you ask this question, customers will think as to why they bought and then think they, they'll get like some cognitive dissonance and buyer remorse and maybe not want to buy from you after the fact. I think these are some of the fears that are kind of swirling around people's brains. And that's why they seem like very cautious and, don't want to kind of like breach that barrier, so to speak. But I think in that question lies the truth, because therein you'll know with a certain amount of specificity as to exactly what it what was that unique composition of message and action and attitude and you know impression that caused, that coalesced and caused for that business to say yes to you and in in turn and in doing so saying no to others or no to alternatives. And yeah. you're absolutely right, Jeff. It's it literally is, that is the juice, as they say. And that's where the the yeah. unique uh, concoction of like success lies. Because once you can identify that and then figure out if that can then be replicated with the yeah. next person and to what degree that holds true, I think that then pretty much is something that you can, I guess, scale or, or do that at scale. So yeah, uh, to,
2: yeah, Jeff, pa- passion is number one. Sorry, passion is number one. Focus is number two. Let's, because I want to make sure we get all, all six in before.
1: Oh, okay, how's that? Uh, three, three is three um, uh, is forming unconventional strategic alliances with much larger companies, right? Oh, that's um, interesting. That, that fall into four quadrants. So, uh, uh, and this is comes from a concept called the value proposition. That you know, uh, from two professors, one from your 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 esteemed institution, Harvard, and one from Yale. Okay. Uh But they came up with a a, a concept called co and, uh, and, and so, um, uh, basically says that you add more value to your business by forming strategic alliances with, um, large company partners and, and, you know, that are either, um, uh, they, they, they offer complementary services to you, to your, okay. your products or services so complementers um, your actual customer base, uh, your supplier base, and then actually competition as well. Right. So, um. So you form uh, um, strategic alliances with with uh, uh, you know these larger companies. Uh, wh- what they do for you is they feed you with pre-qualified leads, right? right? Because they have lots of money to spend on marketing. But what they understand they what they don't do well is they don't execute well because they're they're they're, they're mired down with bureaucracy. Right. And, and you know you don't have to ask anyone permission to do anything. Right. So it's a lot okay. easier. I always give people a, a, you know when I have my IT firm, we partnered with Dell Computer. You know, Dell Computer was technically a competitor, but trust me, Dell Dell Computer didn't consider me a competitor, and, okay. and so, um, and, and so we 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 co marketed uh, in in the city of Philadelphia, uh, and were incredibly successful doing it. Oh wow, that's I, I tell people that you know the 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 reason they were willing to partner with me was you know, and I give you know this is just is not a real example, but I, it, it makes the point. It's like you know, my counterpart at Dell could look out of their window and see a hundred dollar bill on the ground, but in order for them to get up from their desk and go pick up go right. out to the office and pick up the hundred dollar bill, they had to ask for 10 levels of management approval right, right. easier for for them to get me on the phone and say hey jeff i see a hundred dollar bill on the ground outside my office will you come over here get it and bring it to me and i'll give you 10 right, bucks right. okay. Well, that's the easiest, easiest 10 bucks i ever made easiest 90 they ever made right yes. okay you know all right uh, so that's number three right
2: passion focused strategic alliance
1: number four yeah, four is infusing world-class customer service into what you do with your customers. So in essence, you're you're treating them like a family family member, right? Okay. And building those familial like relationships with your customer base. You do that because what you want to do is you want to transform your customers into evangelists who sell your brand for you. Right. Okay. So Excellent. when I've had companies, I've never hired sales forces. I've I've leveraged my customers to sell oh, wow. for. Them. Okay. So anytime I had a company, if I looked at the customer base, hundred percent of the customer base, I I could tell you what customer was referred to me by what other customer.
2: Okay, so number four, cut, yeah. cover, leverage customer base for referrals. That's great. Number five.
1: Yeah, five is is uh, surrounding yourself with an A team who can help you best execute on your vision. Okay. And, uh. Um. So that. So there is. You know. You've got. Uh, potentially co-founders, you've got executive managers, you've got, um, uh, you know, staff, you've got advisors and mentors, you've got your board of directors, all okay. of these, again, can become evangelists for your brand and help you help you market the business. Okay. Uh, so that that's, you know, the next thing you want to do. And the last thing you want to do is you want to um, monitor and measure what are called leading metrics. So when we account for what we do, you know, working with our our CPA firms and and filing taxes, you're reporting on lagging metrics, right? So right. these are you're you're when when you talk about you know what did you do in sales, how much profit did you make? These are all lagging metrics. It's 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 monitoring and measuring activities that have already happened, right? right. So you can't change, you know, if 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 at the end of the month, you know, you on your profit profit and loss statement. You know, we 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 made a million dollars, uh, or or we we generated a million in revenue, and and we made two hundred thousand in profit. But my goal was to make five hundred thousand in profit. Well, uh, so I'm not happy. It's you know, too late. I can't. You, you can't. There's nothing I can do about it. The yeah. month is over. Right. Leading okay. metrics are the things that let lead to your lagging metrics. Right. So so when you when you break down a sale, right, it tells you what your leading metrics are. Right. You know, these are the activities that lead to sales. So, so, you know, when when you know if you made a sale and you reversed engineer that sale, what was the very first thing you did? Did you, you know, uh 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 send out uh, you know an email blast to potential right. customers? And that email blast, you know, led to people calling you up, which allowed you to have phone conversations to pre-qualify them to, to then say, okay, well, you know, I'm going to send you a brochure or, you know, whatever the case may be, and, and then make a follow-up phone call. And, and maybe um, that that led to a, a, an on-site appointment where then you're doing more discovery, which then led you to give them a proposal, you know, right. then make, Made a presentation uh, and then they asked you for a contract and then ultimately you got a sale, right? Yep. So all of those things that lead to you actually getting a sale are the things that you need to monitor and measure. Sure, sure. Okay. On the front end, end, not the
2: back right, end. Right. If all you right.
1: measure that stuff and you, and you goal set based on those activities, you always either meet or exceed your sales expectations. Or whatever That's- expectations you have for those lagging, because measures. you've you've set the process in motion and yeah. it's underway. Okay. Yeah, because that, that stuff's dynamic, right? So okay. so now once you have a sales methodology and process, and you're measuring all that leading activity, you you know based on already having made a sale. You know hey i did x number of this first thing which led to x number of the second thing and so on and so forth and so you'll break that down and say okay well you know hey if i if i made a sale and the first thing i did was send out a thousand emails you know on average there's 20 work days in a month so i'm going to send out 50 emails a day and 50 right. emails should lead to 25 incoming phone calls on day two right. well on right. day one you sent out your 50 emails if you only got 20 incoming calls, you're like, oh, okay. We have to adjust the number of emails that we send out on day two instead of 50. Let's send out a hundred. Right, and right, So okay. now because we only got 20 calls and we wanted 25, we need 30 on day two. That's interesting. So, so you got really this interesting, dynamic interesting. process that you can literally adjust on a daily basis until right. you get it down to this art form. You right. know, now it's like I know exactly how many of each of these steps I need to take to get to my numbers, and right. then it's you know once you have that formula down pat, then it's like okay, well for this month, how many sales do we want to make? Okay, so, so you just sales. then keep turning sure. the crank, multiply so. each one of those steps times ten, you know, yeah. and then do right. that each day. Well, that's
0: great, uh, Vic- Victor. Since you were meant, since you're doing such a great job of summarizing for our listeners, I thought I just yeah. ask you again, Victor. So what are those six points again? I uh, have okay. no. Have- I've uh, yeah. noted down passion, focus, customer service, A team, and leading metrics. Oh, the, but I think I'm there, missing one.
2: There's, yeah, that, that's five. I think we're missing the six. Yeah. So you are recording this, right, Rajiv? Yeah. We'll get a transcript. So by the, time, by the time we put this out on social media, we'll have all the six. So, yeah. so unless the sixth one jumps
1: to mind there,
2: Jeffrey, because I was so busy, I was so oh, interested in yeah, listening
1: yeah. to you. I, I, yeah. You know, so right. So the, one was um building a business around your passion. Passion. Focus. Two was forming unconventional strategic alliances. Alliances. Uh, actually, okay. actually, alliances, cool. that was it. Okay. Yeah. The 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 third was um laser focus, laser focusing on a niche target market you could nominate. Okay. Uh four was um infusing world-class customer service to transform ah. customers into evangelists. Five was um uh, building the surrounding yourself with an A team. Six was right. um, focusing on uh, uh, ma- monitoring. Le- leading and metrics. metrics. Leading okay, metrics. Right. perfect.
2: Well, yeah. that that's good, Jeffrey. Thank you so much for that because I think those are certainly rules that anybody can apply. Because yeah. as described, you know they're not business specific. They're not specific to any industry or type of business. Right. 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 So I think they're universally applicable, and hopefully our listeners will get a lot of use out of those. So that's fabulous. And I think people who want to know more can always, you know, I know that you, you've got a course out there to really yeah. get into the nuts and bolts of things. And yeah. so I think that's something that people can really benefit from.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, with the course, I, I, I you know, it's it's a seven-week self-paced online course. So, so you know, seven and with weeks, access to you. Yeah. Yes, and access to me. So, so you, you we go into this a much much deeper dive. Um. So, so we we develop a customized plan for any any uh uh you know uh, enrollee of the course yeah. to to do this with their business. Right? Fabulous. Uh, that, thank
2: you so much for joining us, Jeffrey. I think this is a great way to kick off the new year. Uh, and hopefully this will help people uh, achieve a, a very successful and profitable uh, 2024. So anything else, anything else you want to add, Rajiv?
0: I know. I think that was a great summary, Victor. I think these six points are things that should, it, it pretty much is a roadmap, which does, I mean, yes, it is all about the execution. but But yeah, I think this is something that should be easy enough for people to follow, at least conceptually. And of course, if they need further guidance, they can always reach out to uh, Jeffrey on his various socials and or his website, LinkedIn or Alignable, and the various other places that Jeffrey makes available to people. But Jeffrey, it was fantastic having this conversation with you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and our listeners. And uh, where we wish you the very best of 2024. And hope that uh, you achieve everything that you set out to achieve in 2024.
1: Yeah, well, thank thank you for the opportunity to be get, guest number one in 2024. Uh, <laughs> I, I've been telling everyone I think this is going to be a, a an incredible year. So uh, so looking forward to working with entrepreneurs and helping them make two, two, 2024 the the bit, b- best year you know to date. Fabulous. Awesome. Thanks, Good Jeffrey. Thanks, Rashiv. All right. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Please send us your comments and questions about networking by posting them in the comments below. Or for a quick response, email us at, didn't learn at, Harvard at gmail.com. Please like, comment and subscribe. It means the world to us. Try today's networking nugget and tell us whether it worked or if you hate it. Or If you'd like us to brainstorm a solution for you, no charge. That's our way of saying thank you for supporting us by listening and sharing our content with people you care about. That's all this week from Rajiv and Victor. Thanks for listening to things I didn't learn at Harvard. Hopefully you learned
2: something here today.